This programme was produced at and first aired on NPR, Manawatu People's Radio, with support from New Zealand On Air. Kapai Irarangi Tomotu, NPR. Support this show and others like it by giving a donation. For more information, go to www.mpr.nz forward slash donate. Morena no mai kiti korero. Welcome to the catch up on Manawatu People's Radio. Tereo Irarangi Ona Tangata O Manawatu. It is a Wednesday morning, and so we turn our attention to the media. Uh, it appears there are sort of two schools of thought about the media uh, at the moment in Aotearoa, um, but mine is, is probably the more positive. Matt Dallas from the Manawatu Standard. Good morning to you. Good morning. Uh, representative of the mainstream media, uh, Bahambug and all the rest of it. Um, we catch up on a fortnightly basis, but we missed the last fortnight. Uh, schedules clashing, ill families, which normally we'd be able to cope with, but in this environment, everyone's hyper alert. You, you've got the sniffles, right? Everything stops and we do the rat tests. Um, but you're here this week, which is good. But man, we probably shouldn't have missed last, the last round because a lot can happen in four weeks. Um, it can. It's been, it's been pretty, yeah, very eventful the last few weeks. And I can remember only a couple of weeks, it was probably only, maybe 10 days to two weeks ago, kind of thinking at what point do I look to split the newsroom in half with just the COVID numbers, mm-hmm. thinking, oh, keeping an eye on, you know, mid-central numbers, maybe when, maybe when they get to 100 yep. sort of thing. And you look at the numbers now and it's just, um, it just seems so long ago. Do you remember that thing called a slow news day? <laughs> um, Do you look back in fondness of uh, those? No, well, you never enjoy those because it's always, uh, there's always at the back of your mind that creeping thought of, oh my goodness, what what are we going to put in the paper mm. tomorrow? Um, obviously, we, we always get something, but uh, yeah, this, at least when there's lots happening, you know that uh, it's going to be a good paper the next day. I mean, the, the Manawatu Standard, obviously a regional paper, but to what what extent do things like Russia and Ukraine at the moment have a bearing on what you're doing? Because I mean, there, there must be local local issues attached to that. Yeah, we tr- we try to find, I guess, uh, tangible connections where, where we can. I know um, after I think R- Russia first launched the attack, I th- uh, one of our reporters, George, tracked down a, a local um, expert on on the Ukraine and a, a professor at uh, at the university and whose I think wife was Ukrainian and had family back there so they had kind of a personal connection as well as a uh, you know being an intellectual mm. authority on it to, and to kind of give get um, his take on the on the situation um, and it's a bit like I guess with uh, um, Tonga and the, the situation over there when you know, try to find you know yeah. local people with, with family what, what the issues they're facing so we're trying to find. Um, you know, connections where we can that aren't just, um, you know, obviously try it. Someone, someone's been to Ukraine in the last yes. 10 years and yes. get, kind of getting their views. What it's was it like of, on holiday? Um, yes, and uh, even with, with the likes of uh, what was happening in Parliament last week, we're obviously f- we were glued to, uh, mm-hmm. you know, to, to the live stream. And we had one of, for three days, we had one of our VJ's uh, photographers, David Unwin, was yes. there. He, he was called in to, to help them out, as we do. And we, I think we had the, the previous weekend, we had a reporter through there as well because the Don Post team had been working kind of crazy hours, yep. double shifts. So we lent a hand. And, um, yeah, Dave, you know, pretty exciting experience for, for a journalist to – be on the streets as that was happening. And well, he was he he was sort of in Camp Freedom, wasn't he? He was one of the the, the visual journalists that the protesters were mocking and probably abusing at times, saying mainstream media, how dare you? 
Yeah, he was he was one of the photographers there in the early morning when the police first rolled in and uh, yeah, I think got chased, threatened, and someone tried to pull his camera. And um, yeah, it's interesting, is it when when you've got a, a protest about freedom, but it seems it, it wasn't going to extend freedom to the, for us, not for you. It wasn't for us. going to extend to the uh, the free press. No, mm. uh, actually, and we should say David Unwin uh, wrote about his experiences in Camp Freedom. It is an article available uh, at the manwatu-standard.co.nz or indeed stuff.co.nz uh, given that it was a national story. Um, 2022 is just going nuts. I, I've, I've come up with an idea. I don't know if, if the standard wants to run with this. You're free to take it if you want. I want to campaign for next year to be called 2018. I think we should have a second go at the past few years and see if we can just right the wrongs and the insanity that has been the last three or four years. Yeah, it's worth a shot. Do we get the old, do we get the 2018 we've, lotto lotto numbers and we, that sort we, of thing too? We've, uh, we, we've done it before. We've changed calendars before. We can do it again. <laughs> Uh, arguably for better reasons this time. Um, you, you mentioned the mid-central uh, numbers, uh, the COVID-19 numbers and uh, the people that are um, in hospital, uh, in ICU, and this has prompted uh, the the DHB to basically open up the first of two COVID wards. Janine Rankin wrote a story about this. Um, it, it, it's a tad sobering, isn't it? Because Palmerston North has been, and Manawatu to a certain extent, has been relatively isolated from the pandemic. Our numbers have been relatively low throughout all of the the, 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 the big hurdles of the, the pandemic. Yeah, and I think probably um, like several provinces, we if you look at, I guess, Omicron a bit like a wave, you're going to get that peak, I suppose, in, in, in Auckland first, and mm. then it's probably going to ripple out and we're going to be a little bit later. Um, I think the sober moment for me was, I think, probably a story a couple of weeks ago where that Janine did that looked at the projections and, and that was you know, talking about, I think, 26,000 mm-hmm. um, cases in our region. But it also you know gave down the projections for numbers in hospital and I, I think it did not include any deaths. So at least that was... Um, I suppose a little bit reassuring. Yeah, should, yeah. should the modelling be accurate? Um, well, I mean, that's the thing, isn't it? I mean, the, I, I believe the modelling has been useful, but I wouldn't have said it's been accurate. We've, a, we've been a bit slow to, to, to build, slower to build than the modelling projected, but also not everyone's reporting when they're positive now because it's a voluntary thing that you have to go on the website if you get a positive test with your with your rat test. So that's just throwing the numbers all over the place, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, there's yeah, plenty of people talking about whether the numbers, you could whether you could triple them or... Mm-hmm. Um, and I've, I think most of us have probably got friends who, who have made the call that you know they're not feeling well, but they're not going to get tested because they don't want to trigger um, you know, isolate, self isolation. Yeah. Um, so it's kind of um, ignorance is bliss, and from a from a personal selfish perspective. Yeah. <laughs> yes, but dear listener, ignorance is not bliss. Uh, do do if if you do a rat test and it's positive, just go on the website and log it. It just uh, surely you feel a bit of moral self worth when you you just do the thing, even though maybe if you don't believe in the process, at least you've done what you were asked to do. Yeah, and I think you know many of us have already done the um, set in the queues to, mm-hmm. to get the rat test for a couple of hours because we've had a family member with um, or a child with um, with the sniffles or a sore throat, and it's just um, it's something we're having to go go, go through. But you know we've got, we've got to remember the big picture and why we're all doing this 
where we're trying to make this as slow as possible. I saw. To begin uh, with. Yes, I and, saw a post on Facebook last night from Greg Watson of Watson Real Estate, who who produces Property Matters here at NPR, uh, sharing what he was convinced was a positive rat test. He couldn't believe that he was positive until he realised that the C stood for control and not COVID. He was <laughs> he was reading it the wrong way around. So it's the T you're looking at. Um, yeah, if you want to read more about the uh, the DHB opening the wards, you can read Janine Rankin's article. Uh, basically, a 32 bed ward has recently had a medical gas upgrade. It's got negative pressure and all those sorts of things to m- limit risk. And I think there are eight beds in ICU that are dedicated uh, to potential COVID-19 cases, which, given the state of our hospital, I think is, is, is a pretty neat achievement uh, in the grand scheme of things. Yeah, I mean, it's good to have a positive there. I mean, I don't know if it's going to um, help anyone get through ED any quicker at no, this point. But, um, or the building site outside. Yes. Uh, or, be, or being able to find a, a sensibly priced park. Um, plenty plenty of, of things uh, still to go there. But of course, the health reform is on the way and that will solve all the problems. Um this one has been very contentious. John Ogulushka has been having a look at this. They, um, the, the, and uh, we should say Jimmy Ellingham from, uh, from RNZ last week uh, struggles with this word, so only mentioned it word once. The pyrolysis plant uh, that is, well, I suppose scheduled or proposed to go in uh, on Kawakawa Road near the Resource Recovery Park, isn't it? It's all sort of in the same area. This, yes. is, this is a place that would burn waste at incredibly high temperatures and make energy out of it. And no consequences whatsoever. Well, you have to be very careful about using terms like burn right. and incinerate because yeah, there's a lot of contention over what the process um, it's, yeah, com- combusting waste apparently with no oxygen which means it's not burnt or incinerate. Right. And that's yeah, a big factor in whether what the emissions to the air are and mm-hmm. yeah, I guess that's at the heart of this, this dispute with um, I guess We've got a uh, community group, and I think and some science people in the science community kind of pretty cautious or disputing. Yeah, the, fielding against incineration. Yes, and they uh, um, that group's been established. They're holding a public, um, I think, an online meeting tomorrow night, and tonight there is a, a forum being run by by BioPlant where they'll be outlining their plans and the benefits of this process, and and, and they have got an independent expert from from Massey talking as well. Okay. So, um, yeah, it's for those of us who have, have never who uh, didn't really get past fifth form science. It's, um, <laughs> yes, <laughs> um, I think John has done a very good job of trying to um, put it out there. You know, as as layman's as we can. And it sounds like I mean the process now that there is sort of public opposition, no matter how uh, small or, or whatever, but there, there is a, a vocal minority. Um, people are doing the right thing. So we're going to hear from all the different parties involved. We're going to understand the process more. And Horizons have said that they're going to open this up for public submission as well. Yes, it has been public. Uh, the resource consent application uh, to discharge to the year is, is going out for uh, – is publicly notified, which yep. means it will be a very open um, yeah, process with um, the chance for everyone to put in submissions or- so that'll be good. Yeah, yeah, it should be. Um, I mean, it does sound kind of intriguing, though. Energy out of waste. I mean, you know, people will feel a little uh, less guilty about those uh, blue council bags. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of in theory. It sounds, I guess, wonderful that, you, you know, electricity, they're talking about um, 
diesel coal being created from you know from waste basically it was it was Sounds too good to be true. So yes, that's and, where and it is. The, the, the old adage uh, comes to the fore there. If it sounds too good to be true, it probably is. Uh, still, you can read Jono's article, which, as Matt has said, is a, is a pretty neat layout of of, of the sort of the, the process, but also where you can find out more uh, on the uh, Manawatu Standard website or indeed stuff.co.nz. You are listening to the Catch Up on Manawatu People's Radio. Uh, if you'd like to listen to this or previous editions of the Catch Up series, remember we spoke to uh, Chairperson of Horizons. Yesterday yesterday, um, Rachel Kidwell, uh, then you can head to our website, npr.nz forward slash show forward slash catch up. Also on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you get your online listening. Uh, turning to, I think this is predominantly uh, man, uh, Palmerston North based issue at the moment. Uh, Carla Karaitiana uh, wrote a pretty um, sobering article, really, uh, about the criminal's uh, Choice de jour for 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 uh, carrying out their crimes, and this is ram raiding. Yeah, I think whether due to there being that surge in car thefts as well, and joyrides and dumping cars, whether mm. yeah, a few crimes have just realised that they've got a good um, kill two birds with one stone. Yeah, they can. <laughs> let's, let's do a burglary while we're while we're at it. Um, and we have, particularly in the last two years, just the frequency of these ram raid events. Smash and grab in and mm. out in kind of a, a minute or two um, is becoming yeah, concerningly familiar, really. And uh, hunting and fishing in Palmerston North was uh, well, that's the, even more concerning because we know what they sell. Yes, and apparently there weren't guns taken, and I'd, I imagine they were hopefully very, very secure. Oh, they are no. Um, I, I, yeah. To be clear, I, yeah. I you know hunting and fishing very very uh, reputable store, um, yes. but you can imagine what the target might have been. Yes, there. yeah, the intentions could have been pretty pretty grim indeed. Um, but yeah, I suppose a, a silver lining to all that was a, a, a second story which we've just done, which was the the support they got from the community traders dropping their other jobs to kind of come in to. Um, help them get the, get the store open again, and they were back open in 24 hours. So uh, I would have thought was, it would have been great. dairies for cigarettes would have been the target. So has that been the case up until this point? Well, I mean, we've seen kind of a mix of um, yeah, strange mix. There's obviously been bottle stores, um, uh, yeah, petrol stations. I guess a lot of the petrol stations, the way they are built, being able to get a car at high speed and mm-hmm. through the front doors can be. It's a difficult, can be a difficult angle because where the pumps are or whether there can be bollards. Yep. Um, so I think there's probably a bit more thoughts being put into the pe- building the petrol stations. Do you, do you think that um, perhaps some of the impetus for this was the knowledge that a lot of the cops were down in Wellington and and you know the the, the media had, had had questioned the police and the police had said yeah we're we're a bit tight elsewhere in the country now you know we we are still providing a level of service but not the level that you're used to well until we can clear the the protest grounds um, yeah potentially I mean it could have given um, someone a bit more confidence to, mm. to know that they could get maybe get away with it or the response would be would be pretty slow but. Um, there's been criticism locally for for some time about just that um, not seeing that many police around, and I think there being a bit fair bit of confidence, even just for um, whether it's people out speeding and mm-hmm. burn, burning out their cars and fielding, knowing that um, they've got thirty forty minutes before um, yeah. before anyone's going to show up. Um, and so, I mean, sort of getting off the topic of this story, but this has been a feeling for a while. Have you heard from the cops about the, what assurances they're trying to give people in places like Fielding and perhaps more rural areas? Um, 
No, not really. Because, I mean, there, there rural, much- rural areas in Palmerston North, it, well, in, in New Zealand, sorry, it, it's, it's astounded me as someone who's come from the UK and every, every village had their, their own bobby. Um, you know, you go out to particularly some of our coastal villages and towns locally, and, I, I mean, it's not chaotic. It's not, you know, surrounded in legal activity, but... There ain't no cops there. Everyone just sort of manages their own affairs. And it's it, it's a different feel when you get out to the, the coastal areas. Yeah, and even I think it's back up at council today, just the issue with the, you know, the boy racer problems out of Longburn mm-hmm. um, and how they're looking to resolve that. And I think one of the one of the things they're looking at is making it like a non-parking road or, or something. So it's all very much of this bureaucratic. <laughs> it's not just They're about, not parking. That's yeah, the point. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so it's yeah, it's I, I I can appreciate that the police have there is kind of an issue they have to face if if they're dealing with a big mass of people, which has been the case with mm. the Wellington protest. And um, if you've got like a hundred boy races out on Saturday night, they can't match numbers. No, um, and yeah, and and this is the thing that, that we saw with the protests as well. And whether it is, is it Andrew Costa who's the commissioner. No, I've got that wrong. The commissioner of the police anyway at the moment, his thing seems to be very much uh, de-escalation, don't rile anyone up, you know, softly, softly, carefully, carefully, um, which is not what we're used to. When you call the cops, you want them to turn up, find the person, arrest the person, take them away. The cops don't do that anymore. And that's... That, I think that frustrates a lot of people as well. Just come and arrest the boy racers in Longburn and take them away. Yeah, and I think even in the last decade or two with those of us who have had the misfortune of being you know, um, burgled um, and the expectation that a couple of police officers are going to be showing up there the next morning to yep. take the fingerprints. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, it's very unlikely. Here's your case number for the insurance company. Yes. Um, I, I, mm, yeah, it, I mean, it, it's it's the way things are going. And certainly whilst the, the protests at Parliament or the illegal occupation at Parliament uh, took a long time to resolve, I don't think you uh, – I've heard a lot of people on a lot of different sides of this argument saying the police did – pretty damn well. No one was seriously injured, no one died, and it looked like a very well-oiled, slick machine. Everyone knew what they were doing. As it turns out, the the, the police and the fire service are having words with each other at the moment about the appropriate use of fire hoses. Yeah, which they, you know, that's fairly ridiculous. Um, I you know, I felt that they got a pretty good result. The, just, the you know, occupiers were given, you know, I guess, plenty of time, plenty mm-hmm. of warning. Um, they went in and could have got Gone a hell of a lot worse, and and people are trying to make uh, correlations between that and the Springbok tour, which I just I don't think you can. I mean, it was a different era of policing. The issue at hand had a huge swell of support. Possibly the majority of New Zealanders supported what was going on, and it sort of flared up and then calmed down again. This was elongated conspiracy theory. I mean, people were literally wearing tinfoil hats. I mean, I don't want to mock these people because a lot of these people are on the peripheries of our society, have no trust in in government for sometimes very good reasons. Some people have mental health issues. They need our support. Problem is they're getting the support from the, the radicalised right at the moment because they're opportunist, insert word of choice here. I know you can't give your opinion as much as I can, but, you know, if you wanted to respond, you could. Well, it's just that thing around... The protesters just, just their lack of awareness. I think that they, the majority of 
the public does is supportive of the, the vaccine mandates. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't know what are they they're wanting something that isn't democracy where the majority doesn't rule. Mm-hmm. Um, and it just uh, no, just, they wanted just, to hang Jacinda mm. and the media. Mm. Um, and there was something else that yeah, there, there was there, there was lots of very clear, concise demands, and they were wandering around with a crucifix on a dolly. I mean, it was just ludicrous. Um, and and they'll say that didn't happen, but the photographs are there, people. Um, let's move on uh, from that uh, ridiculousness. We are here with Matt Dallas from the Manawatu Standard, looking at what they've been reporting on in the last couple of weeks. Uh, this is a neat story. Maybe we can finish on this one because this is a positive one. Uh, Raymond Tupatupu uh, called up for the Hurricanes. Uh, he's a, a hooker, but um, has little to no experience. But someone's obviously seen him as a way to get them out of a rather tricky situation. Yeah, well, obviously he's, he's a young rugby pros- prospect who's a couple of years out of um, Palmerston North Boys High School, and I think yeah, I think don't think he'd even made his um, like provincial debut no. yet, and he gets called up to. Um, super rugby um, due to the one of those situations where you have three hookers all go down injured um, so another one gets brought up brought up, but then there needs to be another one on the bench which turned out to be him so yep. he got rushed into the side and I think it's just one of those um, just you know fantastic grassroots raised to riches sort of sporting stories which um, I think rugby could probably use, use about now given so much conjecture over you know in, investment and ownership of the All Blacks with involving all sorts of companies and uh, it was just yeah, just a really nice story that George Higney did. Yeah, and uh, echoes of 2011, really, New Zealand, France, when uh, Stephen Donald got called up because uh, I made a note here. Who was it that got uh, Dan Carter, Colin Slade, and Aaron Cruden, local boy, uh, all got uh, injured? And um, I'm just hoping that Raymond Tupu in the Hurricanes has a shirt that fits. <laughs> I mean, it's an iconic. I, actually, I need to see the film. There's a film about Stephen Donald, isn't there? And and his career, and then that that moment where he went, well, my shirt doesn't fit, and my boots are not tied properly. But sod it, this ball's going over. Yeah, uh, I think they think there is. Yeah, no, very good. Uh, so yes, congratulations to Raymond Tupatupu, uh, called up for the Hurricanes, and uh, I suppose commiserations to Dane Coles, uh, Asafu. Uh, Almoa and uh, James O'Reilly, those were the three hookers. So they've all been injured. Yeah, they were all, all, yeah, all down with something, I suppose. And um, I, I mean, I'm, I'm more of a rugby league man. But, um, <laughs> right. Just reading uh, George's story was, uh, yeah. Was great entertainment. It is. It's one of those uh, lovely positives to to end things on. Uh, there we go. Uh, Matt Dallas from the Man with Two Standard. Thank you for joining us on the catch up this morning. Any tidbits that we can look forward to in uh, the next edition? Um, well, we don't want to um, give away too much, but uh, there was. Janine's at a current council meeting today, where the boy racer stuff is, is back up yep. on the agenda. So there will be an update on that. Obviously, there's the, you know there's the daily COVID um, situation, and you're know, trying to get new angles on that. Um, have you got a challenge? Have you got people going to the or attending those pyrolysis plant hearings and things as well? Yes, because they're obviously not physical meetings, but um, John and Galushka will be keeping track and covering both um, uh, both of tonight's one, which I think is also being recorded, and then. Um, the community meeting tomorrow evening so it'll be good to get a, a good range of opinions coming from those marvelous matt dallas from the man with two standard thank you for joining us this morning
Thank you. And remember, if you want to listen to this or previous editions of the Catch Up series, just head to the website npr.nz forward slash show forward slash catch up. Also on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you get your online listening. Join us tomorrow at half past eight. We'll be speaking to Helen Warboys, Mayor of Manawatu District Council, uh, undoubtedly focusing not only on, on issues relating to Manawatu, but also communities for local democracy as they challenge the government's Three Waters reform. And on Friday at half past eight, we will be live with MP for Palmerston North, Tangi Utakeri. Make sure you join us for those. Half past eight every morning on NPR. It is the catch-up. My name is Fraser Gregg. Thank you for joining us. We'll be back tomorrow. Bye for now. If you're a fan of NPR, listening to our podcasts and live stream has never been easier. Just search for accessmedia.nz on the App Store or Google Play and download the app with the KiwiFruit logo. Once you've got it, pick Manawatu People's Radio from the list of stations and go find your new favourite show.